and welcome to the sanctuary a safe space to speak from the heart i'm your host israel and my guest today is hua koyomo super talented spoken word artist creative writer voice actor creative director thanks for coming to the sanctuary Thank you so much. You oh, wait, wait, wait. And podcaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all good. Yeah. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. Just a blessed mm. day. Hope you're doing good too. Doing good, doing good, doing good. I'm getting to talk to you, so I'm, I'm really, really excited today. Um, Yeah. Okay, first, let's start with um your... On your on, on your Instagram where you share pretty much most of your work, um, the last post was really emotional, um, and like you know I watched it a couple of times and I'm like, okay, it's either it, it, what is the story behind that? And I think okay, that was your so first pigeon piece, actually. Yeah, it's my first pigeon piece. It was actually one of the hardest pieces I've ever. Um, written. It took me about two weeks or so to write. Um, so to provide a bit of context, um, the name of the piece is Demgosi Talk. And um, it was basically to talk about women who find themselves in a really difficult position where they feel the need to make a decision to either um, go against everything that they've been taught or unlearn, you know, unlearn in order to make that decision and move forward. So a lot of women I've learned while I was speaking to, you know, my friends, um, one thing I really need to tell people is that it's not my story. Like, it didn't happen to me. It happened to the people around me. And usually my poems always have to have some form of some deep connection with me. Um, whenever I'm telling those stories or it will not sound as emotional or true as it does when I'm reciting the, the piece. So mm. I got to speak to women who um, got pregnant, right? A lot of them believed that the men that they were getting pregnant with were going to stick. That's usually the story I hear. Like no one goes into this knowing that the man's not going to stick. A lot of them, knowing the kind of changes that is going to happen, not just physically, but mentally and socially, make a conscious decision, believing that the man will stick and both of them will be able to go through it together. Unfortunately, most times that is not the case, right? Mm. So women are stuck pregnant, um, especially if, their support system leaned heavily, heavily on the man. Um, so they are stuck now. Um, they don't know what to do. And some women would think, I need to terminate this pregnancy so I can get through my life. Other women think, how do I get through my life with the pregnancy? And both of those decisions I've learned are tough. You know, people think, oh, terminating the pregnancy is the easy way out. I don't understand how you can tell a woman who already has an emotional connection to our baby, who chooses to terminate the pregnancy, is easy. Why do people think that it is easy? And it also gets to me that a lot of the time, the people that this is coming from, the people who say these things are men, who will never understand 
the complexities when it comes to women who are pregnant. And now this is going a whole lot longer than I wanted it to go. So yeah, it was no, a collection of the different stories that I heard from women that made me put together this piece that I was talking about a woman who um, not only found someone she thought was going to be with her for the rest of her life, but who had also formed a connection with her friends, her family, and her community. You know, the, there was a line when, I, when we spoke about when she got pregnant, everybody came and celebrated with her because everyone else, the lie was so good that everybody believed that he was going to stick. And then mm-hmm. when she got pregnant and she was trying to get in touch with him, you know, the usual story, he disappeared. And I also learned that the mothers of these men know what's going on and then they just let it happen. So it was his mother that told her, oh, um, you're actually not the main chick. Um, there's actually somebody else that we, want to, that, that we want him to marry. And then she was left alone to, of course, make that tough decision. Do I keep the, the, the baby? Do I... Terminate, terminate the pregnancy, how do I move forward? So that's the, the difference, you know, multi, it was multifaceted, basically. That's what the poem is about. And I wanted to challenge myself on two fronts. One, I needed to tell a true story, a true relatable story, and so it had to be in mm-hmm. Pigeon. That was the first Pigeon piece that I had written, and that was because I work at, as a creative um, producer, um, mostly as, as a consultant in a creative and ad, a marketing ad agency. And uh, one of the pieces that I really one time, they told me they needed it to be converted to pigeon. And, you know, it was during that sort of like dynamic. And they said, you know, you're a great poet who are, you are, but you need to work on your pigeon. So that was why I wanted to leave for this piece. And I thought it'd be a whole lot more relatable um, what it right. was said, the way it was said. Right, right. It was a really powerful piece. And, you know, the thing about your pieces is that you're not just writing or just saying the words but you are actually um performing it you know what i mean yeah yeah and um oh, sorry, keep no no and and that one was like the performance of that uh piece you know the the most recent one you've done uh, it was mind-blowing thanks um so, because I am sort of serving as a lot of people's first contact to spoken word, I feel like I have to go the extra mile. So I can't just read out the, the, whatever it is that I have written. And I tell people all the time, it's not what you say, it's how you say it, right? And that's why I feel like I need to go the extra mile in order to connect to people and sort of like induct people and wash them off of the bad poetry that made them not really want to connect with spoken word or made them shut out um, the, the, the topic of spoken word. Because I've, I know people who, they've never listened to spoken word, but once you just say, oh, poetry, they're like, nah. You know, so um, <laughs> that was why I felt like uh, the performance is just as important as the piece. And that's usually what I do with most of my other spoken word pieces. Some of them are my story, some of them are not. But I, I but it, by the time I write it down, it becomes a story and that person is a character and I treat it like a character and I say, what emotion should this character portray that will be able to connect mm. best with the audience? Um, so um, for this one, I knew that she was going through a lot of pain. So I thought it would really slap if she cried. You know, it would really slap if as she's talking about all the pain that she went through and the frustration, you know, 
someone not cry like bawling her eyes out, you know, but that cry where um she's trying to hold it back in, right? Yep. But because it's really painful, she just has no choice. So, mm. so that, that, that that was where I was kind of like going with, with, with this particular piece. You know, in, in, it's also in the emotion. So spoken words to me, I even changed it sort of that it's not just spoken word, it's performance poetry. So the performance matters just as much as the written piece. Mm. Yeah, no, it was so, so powerful. But like, let's go, uh, let's rewind a bit. Actually, let's rewind a lot. How did you now get into spoken word? How did he get into performance poetry? Okay, so I never studied literary arts in school. Um, despite people thinking that I probably did theater arts or studied English and linguistics or something. Um, I actually studied chemical engineering. And Okay, that is like... so far from what you are doing now. <laughs> I, I, I would say yes and no. To the chemical engineering because to me i feel i always think that math i've always loved math i feel like it, it it's a pattern right and to me that's how poetry is at least the poetry that i write i write in pattern and it just has to make sense math always makes sense to me that is um so that's how i just sort of like reconcile the two of them um so yeah i was in my second year in the uni and um, after going through the first year, by the time I got to the second year, um, I had all these plans. I wanted to change the world as a scientist. I used to have dreams about, um, vivid dreams, not dreams like, oh, I want to be this. No, I mean, I would sleep and close my eyes and fade into my subconscious and dream about me being this awesome scientist who discovered um, the next thing to slice bread. But then, wow. in my 200 level, I was like, no, this is not going to work. It wasn't looking like, you understand? And then again, it has a lot to do with the Nigerian educational system, which is archaic and outdated. And the fact that all of us had to deal with that in school, that was just one thing. Um, as a, a, a chemical engineering student, someone who decided to study chemical, for me anyway, it wasn't because I wanted to work in an oil company specifically. Yeah, it would be nice, but it, that wasn't the only reason. But they told me like, for, for it to really, really hit for you, for you to know that, okay, you've gotten the bag in, as an engineer, as an, as an engineer, an engineering student, is when you secure a job in an oil company. And that's just, that wasn't just me because it seemed so predictable and mediocre. That wasn't what I wanted. But when that was what everyone was emphasizing, uh, so by my 200 level, um, I was a very studious student. Um, by studious students, I mean my, my social life was dead. So I would always either go to church, to school, or back to my house. And then on this fateful Saturday evening, I had already put myself in this zone where I wasn't going to do anything for the rest of the weekend until Monday morning, maybe, if I didn't have any clothes to wash. And I was, I was sipping on chocolate vidrio. It's always chocolate vidrio. No, no, that any other, no, it has to be chocolate vidrio. I was eating mishai. For y'all who don't know what mishai is, it's fried bread and egg. And I was, I was watching an anime. Most likely that Kuroko or Naruto, I can't remember. So I was watching the anime and then my, my, my neighbor comes up to me and she's like, Hey, Hua, I have, um, I have two tickets to go see a play. And I'm like, I'm not going to see a play. Who still watches plays? And, um, <laughs> but then I just had like this flash in my mind, you know, this perfect picture. And 
something I should have known that I was going to be a storyteller because I could just imagine it unfold. The story about how I met my husband. You know, I was just the girl and he was just the guy. And I was sitting mid row, front row, you know, not really paying so much attention to the play while all the other girls were fangirling him. And then he notices me just by the sight of his eye, sees me in the play, and he goes, oh, okay. Like, I already had the whole thing pictured. And I was like, you know, this, this might happen. You know, it, it's, what, it's what a show. What else am I dreaming in my time? So I, I go with her to this, to this play. Unfortunately, I couldn't, you know, have that guy meets girl, ordinary girl thing with a guy on stage because we're really late. So the, and it was packed. So I had to just sort of, like, come up with a different scenario while I go to the back. Um... The play didn't really hold a lot of my attention. Um, mm. And um, I, towards like the intermission, this poet comes on stage and he delivers this really powerful piece called Abike. And he had music playing in the background. And I was like, oh, what is this? And I turned to my friend and I'm like, oh my gosh, what's this? She looks at me and she's like, oh, it's just spoken word. I'm like, what do you mean it's just spoken word? Like, what do you mean? Like, that, like he, he's actually the, he's the act. The play right, is the right. sideshow. So that piqued my interest. And, you know, another thing was the fact that it wasn't common. And like I said, I have mm. this thing where I hate mediocrity. So I was like, I have to find a way to get myself into the space. So I started talking to a couple of people and just trying to immerse myself in poetry. And then some people who found out that, some people who, who, who recognized my interest, who also, you know, really few people that knew about spoken word would send me links to Sully Briggs, Prince EA, at that time, um, Button Poetry. So I would um, look at them and sort of like learn how spoken word is meant to sound like and come up with like my own style. Mm. So that's like the long or short, interesting or boring story about how it all started. Uh, I don't think it's boring at all, uh, especially with the film that you were drawing. So I'm guessing did you, you didn't meet the... Mr. Charming, whatever person at the event. Oh, right, then, right, right. Um, so I got there and um, nothing happened. But I did, like, you know, get this sort of, like, connection with spoken words. So I feel like one way or another, something happened, right? It wasn't a gay, mm. but, you mm. know, it was, it was the rest of my life, I guess. <laughs> okay, so um, did you, like, start writing right away or... I did, and oh my gosh, so I have like this collection of my old poems where um, I wrote really cringe-worthy stuff. Um, they were awful. So, I don't know, I just fancied myself this really great poet, and I would, I would take my time and write in cursive and stuff. Um, so yeah, I actually did start right away, and I would bug people and bug my friends and anybody that would listen, you know, and make them, I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got this new, this, this poem's going slap, you have to listen to it, and I wasn't really shy about it, you know, I didn't care about the fact that nobody even knew what poetry was, I was like, this is my newfound love, and you have to go through it with me, so, uh, yeah, that was what happened, I think it, it was all bad poems, all just really bad poems, until Val Valentine's Day of 2017, um, which is why I hate Valentine's Day right now, um, there was this guy um, that, I, that, that I, 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 I thought I liked. I'm now I'm not so sure. <laughs> revising and everything. And then, okay, so it's Valentine's Day, yeah? And yeah. I, don't, I don't like to think I'm the kind of girl that expects too much. But I was just 
I texted him. What? Hey, what's going on? But he he wasn't reachable and shit. And I was like, okay. So I asked him. I was like, where were you? Where were you all day? And he goes, oh, I was with my girlfriend. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. You were with your what? I'm still here. I don't understand what you mean. You were with you was in your girlfriend. You were with me. And <laughs> so I I sit down and I pen this very emotional peace comments right, and right. angry um even from the the title you can you can just imagine how terrible that 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 piece was so i wrote hurt and angry which at that time was my best so you can imagine the the standard that i set for myself at that time so it was awful but it was really good then and i really really loved the piece and then i same thing went around torturing my friends with this new piece that i told them I was going to slap and then they were like, you should make a video. I'm not sure if they were making fun of me, but <laughs> I did, actually. Um, I, met, um, I met this guy, um, awesome videographer and cinematographer right now, Emmanuel King. Um, both, we're both in engineering at that time. I met him at one of these. Same thing, my neighbor came up to me and said, let's go for a fashion show. And I was like, you know, the first one didn't work out, but I can definitely see a second, you know, <laughs> Disney Channel movie happening in this. I mean, it's a fashion show. So I was like, I was going to go. But I, I didn't meet a husband. I didn't meet a really talented photographer. So I, right, I feel like, right. you know, good things were, were just happening from this. So I met him. We partnered up. And then we started shooting videos. And that was how I made my first video that's still on YouTube. I, I, I go there to watch it to cringe sometimes. But, yeah, that was, that's how I started. That's how I moved up to the next stage, made my first video. And I think it was after that time that I said I was never going to have my face up in a video. And I stopped filming myself mm. in videos after that first one. I was like, no, I'm not camera Why? friendly. Why? I'm not going to. Because I don't know. Um, I didn't like how I looked in the video. I didn't like, um. because it was our first time of actually like, collaborating and doing stuff together. So it was okay. But the poem was bad, and I, I looked I looked like someone, in fact, I, I looked like a cat lady who shaved up her cat's fur and, put, and taped the hair on her head and then didn't know how the right way to put on eyeliner. And so I look at it sometime, and I was like, I, I was, I'm not doing this. So no. After that, I, I did a lot of other videos where my face just wasn't in the video. Mm. <clears throat> How would you do those other videos, though? Like, what would you be showing then? Okay, so um, videographers would contact me and tell me that they created this video of um, just uh, a collection of their stock images or videos, or they were doing a documentary, and they just wanted a sort of, like, artistic spoken word thing in the background. So that was what I was doing, right? People would have, like, a concept, or I would tell a story, but someone else would act it out, and it was just going to be my voice in the background. Or my script to sort of like guide how the direction was supposed to go. So that was what I did mostly. So I did a lot of short films like that, where the narration was just spoken word. Mm, mm. Okay, okay, okay. Got it, got it, got it. Um, so the <clears throat> while I was really opening you, I I saw this like collection of. I guess poetry slash performance in, in like an album called One Five One. What was that? Yeah. Okay. 
So this was my last year in school, in the uni. At that time, I'd already started really doing good or well with performance poetry, at least um, around um, the state that I was in at that time. That was in Benin City. I was going to perform mm. at GRA. One time I came down to Lagos to perform. So I had like all like a collection of poems that I hadn't really, only the people who went to those shows had heard. And so my friend then was like, you should have a listening party and make it an EP or something. And I'm like, you know, I'm just not, it's just not my thing to do that, to make EPs. And so I mean, don't worry, I'll take care of everything. You just go and do that EP. And I had a roommate, really crazy person. Her name's Cheesy. She pushed me into doing a lot of things. And I, am a, I, I appreciate her because she made me go out more. Because after that time, I was still pretty much introverted or just antisocial. So um, now I needed to come up with a name that I was going to name that. Come up with a name for the for the album. No, I'm going to name that. Come up with a name for the album, and um, I called it 151 because when I first started writing poetry, I was writing um, poems that I wanted to be published, not poems to be performed. Right. So I wrote a collection of like a lot of poems that I wanted published in a magazine, a literary magazine, and chapbooks, and I sent them out, and I was rejected by all of them. I counted at least 150 rejections. Holy emails. shit. Right. How yes. do you, before you continue, like, how do you continue after, like, rejection number, let's say 30? Because, like, between 30 and 150 is still a lot. Like, how do you keep going? <clears throat> Okay, so... After hearing all the... No, 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 no. So, um, when I was doing it at that time, it was my passion project. Nobody else knew about it. In fact, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you a secret. Hua is not actually the name that people knew me by then, right? I created Hua to be a persona that people didn't know and so people didn't expect a lot of things from. So it didn't matter if I failed. It didn't matter how many times I failed. Nobody else knew about it, right? So... Right. Okay, I just needed one person to say yes. So I would send, okay, I got 30 rejections. Well, um, a year ago, I wasn't even good enough to send poems to these guys. So what's one more um, mm. poem? So it was after I got to the 150th that I said I was going to stop writing. I was going to stop sending over to publishers. After I got to the 150, I was like, you know what? I'm done. Usually people say don't give up, keep trying, but... At that point, I was like, I think I know when to give up. And so I, started, I stopped writing for, um, um, for it to be published on page. I started performing on stage instead. Because I remember that a lot of the problems that they had was that this is prose poetry or this is prose. So they didn't really understand the style that I was using to write, and which is understandable. Mm -hmm. I didn't study poetry in school, so I didn't really know a lot about the rules. Um, but I thought that that was one thing that was unique to poetry, how it, did, it doesn't really have that many rules and it's open to interpretation. So, right. yeah, so that was when I moved to poetry on, on you know, started to perform and people actually, um, not on social media because I wasn't social media friendly, but the fact that I, I kept getting people who wanted me to write for their videos, who wanted me to come perform um, at events, was something that told me that, okay, so this is actually going really well. And then I became a professional voice actor. So, you know, that just sort of like encouraged me. And then there was a podcast. So this was like my, my, my final year in school. And then 
So after I, I sort of like connected it to the fact that it was 150 rejections, and then I took all the old poems that I had written before that were rejected, and I converted them into full-on spoken word poems, and I named them 151, and I said, I can't even really remember the last line, but it was something along the lines of, well, this be my first acceptance or my 151st rejection, which is why it was named 151. Mm. So I wrote like a poem about how I got all those rejections. And then this is like my, you know, an, another try to see if it was going to be accepted. So I had the listening party. I was really, really surprised about the, ter the how many people came on because I didn't think a, a lot of people knew me, but then a lot of people showed up. Um, people had a lot of fun. And yeah, I, I feel like that's definitely something that I would commemorate or remember um, for days to come. So that's, that's the story of 151. Yeah, no, I completely loved it. And like, you know, um, some of the poems that I loved there was um, My Mama's Kitchen, uh, It's Funny, um, This Is Not a Sex Poem, Please Stay. Actually, I loved most of them, and I liked you it because like they were. <laughs> yeah, I did, I did, I did. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> I like it because they. I appreciate that. Because they flow into each other. I, I love how they kind of flow into each other. Um, and then you know, so you said you are not really social. Also, you are doing all these things, podcasting, performance, all these things. You you are still doing chemical engineering still. No, so I got my bachelor's degree in chemical engineering and I was like, oh, well. And then I, I started up, um, so after I got, um, after the moment I was done and I got my, my degree, um, I think like the very next month I started working. Um, by the time I was just done with everything that concerned school and I did everything to just like wrap everything up, um, I started working mm -hmm. almost immediately, but it was at a digital um, agency. That's where I started working. I started doing um, everything at, at a digital ad agency. And I felt like at this point, um, so the reason why I, I made sure that I had two plans is because as a Nigerian user, and I say all the time, we don't have the luxury to just have one plan, right? I don't know how far this poetry thing is going to take me, but if anything happens, I have a bachelor's degree in chemical engineering, right? I did my internship mm -hmm. at SPDC, Shell. Um, I have all of those, you know, like, um, network and all of that as it relates to, to that part of my life. But what I really want as of this time is to see how I can not be so mediocre and do what everybody expects. Um, podcasting, when I started, I didn't even know it was called podcasting. I literally Googled blogs for audio. That was what I Googled and I saw podcasts. I was like, oh, this is interesting. And nobody else knew what a podcast among my peers they didn't really think it was something that they could do. And that time, Anchor had just come out. So when I even started on Anchor, like it was spread across all platforms almost immediately, or like now that it takes a bit of time. So that was like when I started, and I just didn't want to do what everybody else was doing. And mm. that's, I, I guess, how I got to this point as being one of the unique poets. Um, on, on Let's talk about your podcast, right? Because like, one thing you do, and it's genius, is that each episode is like is like a documentary. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? So it's not like you're talking to someone. Like yeah, you're talking to someone, right? You know, you're talking. So there was an an episode you were talking to these ladies that run this virtual 
XX thing in England or something. I can't yeah. recall the name. Exquisite something. Anyway, yeah. but you know, it wasn't just you interviewing them. It was you telling this story, right? You were like, it's like I'm listening to a documentary. I was like, holy shit, I'd, I wish I could do that. Why do you decide to take that format rather than, oh, you know, this person is here. I'm going to talk to them. But, you know, you're taking this format where you're telling your listeners your own um, impression of your guests. Okay, so this is actually my fourth season. And it was around this, like, it's just in the, la in the latest four episodes that has this format. The first time when I started, I didn't know what podcasting was. It was just a simple introduction, me just talking um, to the poets, right? Just asking them about why they wrote their piece and so, so, and so, just to see how far I could get. By the time I got to the second season, some things had changed because I'm always that person. What is the next, how can I make the next season better than the last? So that was how it went on. I think when I got to the, the, the end of the second season, I did something called bloopers where I, I invited my, my, my little brother, um, Nessie, who has this... Um, YouTube channel where he just talks about game development and there's a, a way he speaks. So I said, how about both of us review all the episodes so far? And that was one of the interesting and engaging episodes that I had is that people like to hear the background of what we were thinking about. So um, I think after the third season, towards the end of the third season, this was when I actually really used what I had learned about that Blue Press episode. And it was for when um, I, I was interviewing sex workers. So I interviewed sex workers, two in the U.S., two in Nigeria. And in order to reconcile two of, those, two of their experiences, I had to talk about why I was interviewing them, how I started the story, and how I am connecting it in between. So the only way to sort of like mix it in between was to, for you to hear my thoughts about, so this happened to this person in the U.S., what do you think is going to happen to this person in Nigeria? A lot of times you say the same about Nigeria, but what happens to this person in the U.S.? So I did that sort of like documentary style format where I was still interviewing them and having that thing, at, 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 um, thing about, you know, you hearing what I was thinking. I think some of it um, was also inspired by TED Radio Hour and um, Dear Sugars is another podcast and Lore. So I listened to those podcasts and just sort of like, you know, so it was like a mix of all of those, and that was how I came up with Dear Sex Workers. I think the next episode after that was when I interviewed Stephen T. Siegel, co-creator of Ben 10 series, and when I interviewed him as well, I wanted people to sort of like hear what I had to say, what I was thinking while I was interviewing him. So yeah, that now became like a, a sort of like standard structure. Um, it's a whole lot harder to put together right. than the other ones, which is why it takes, you know, me a long time because I'm so busy. <laughs> I'm running this podcast, interviewing different people. Um, yeah, but I, I, and I think this is actually the last season that I will be publishing. Um, yeah, my, my season four of The Spoken World is the last um, season for, for the podcast. Why? Um, because I'm doing a lot, and I, I realized that um, I, was re I was very consistent for the first and second season. By the time I got to the third season, things started getting difficult because the structure had changed. It was a lot more complex, a lot more engaging, I guess. And, you know, the, I wasn't just interviewing one person now. I had to interview multiple people and then compare their experiences, right? So it's a lot of work putting it together. I'm the only one who's working on it. And um. as at this time, I hadn't come up with, like, a proper structure on how I was going to monetize or manage 
you know, it's not like I have a team on it. And I feel like if I was going to like even move further with that, it'd have to be a different podcast, you know, so I can put all of these things that I've learned into that new podcast, get all the legal things that I want to talk about together. But for now, it, it was more or less a passion project. And I'm glad that it was. I got to meet a lot of people, a lot of high-profile personalities. Um, but for now, like, I feel like that's something that would always be an accomplishment. Um, I, don't, I, I don't think it's something that I can push further for now. And, since, and ever since I started slowing down on the podcast, that's when you start to see a lot of my content come up on Instagram. That's when I'm pushing my brand and not my podcast. Like, people get to know more about me as an artist, as a poet. When I was pushing the podcast, nobody heard my poems. They didn't even know that I could write. They just thought that maybe mm. I was just interviewing other writers. So, yeah. Wow. <clears throat> that is something I kind of struggle with. Um, when I start something... I don't know how to end it. I just keep it going. So, like, aren't you going to miss it? I am. I am going to miss it, definitely, um, because it's been with me for four years. And um, it's just like me saying I was going to stop writing, which I, I don't think I'm going to do right now, because I cannot imagine a life where I'm no longer writing, even though I've only been doing it for, like, six years. But um, with every... Ending comes a new beginning. I don't know how that saying goes. Um, while the, the, me interviewing people and you know, interviewing amazing guests and putting together content for a podcast might be ending, there are a bunch of new things that are starting. So, yeah, it's a chapter in my life I feel like has to end now um, so that I can have more room for... for um, Stuff I think is also going to propel me forward, and maybe sometime in the future, um, I'm still. I like to think that I'm young. I might be able to bring it back, but for now, um, just for my audience's sake, um, because I've not been as consistent as I should have, and for my sake as well, so I just have a lot more time um, to 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 move into this new chapter of my life. I have to close the old one. Mm, mm. And respect that. Respect that. Um, oh, yeah, before we move forward from your podcast, why did you decide to go seasonal? And how are you dividing the seasons? I decided to go seasonal because after the first, like, like I told you, they all had different structures, right? So after the first season, I come up with something I think this should be a new structure. And I need time to sit through and build that new structure or a template of some sort, you know, so the interviews have to change. The guests have to change. Sometimes I change the theme song. Um, I change the, the, um, um, the creatives that I use on social media. So I think I need like time because I said, for when I first started, I had a team. Um, afterwards, I, I started doing it more, uh, more or less by myself. I need the time to come up with this new concept without the pressure of, oh, I need to produce a new episode every week. No, what I usually do is that I interview a lot of people at once and then I try to fit it into that new template that I have created and then try to share it, you know, that mm. way. So that's why I decided to make it into like seasons. So I have time in between to change the new structure um, for the new season and make it better. Mm. <clears throat> wow. Okay. So no podcasts after season four is done, huh? That That's going to be... What are some of the new things then you'll be working on? 
Okay, so um, the things you, you spoke about um, on my Instagram and TikTok is relatively new. I started TikTok March, April, right? So that's really new. My Instagram reels, very new. I'm thinking of coming up with a new video structure for um, IGTV because people have spoken about my poems are from 60, uh, for 30 to 60 seconds. And if you listen to the EP, I don't think there's any poem that is less than two minutes, right? Two, yeah. two minutes as best. They usually, they are from three minutes to five, six minutes. So I want, like, to be able to create that, you know, um, platform where I can showcase those pieces that are three to three minutes to six minutes. Because there's only so much I can do within 30 seconds. Like, I feel like I've become this new sort of hybrid sort of person to be able to tell a full story in 60 seconds. I never thought it was possible, um, but I've been able to do that, right? So now I want to push and see IGTV, not so much TikTok, not so much um, YouTube, because that's a whole other platform. And usually I study the platforms before I start creating content for it. And I, I'm not a fan of sharing. Even on Twitter, I've not really been on Twitter because I know that video doesn't work on Twitter. So it's me just um, trying to see how I can push spoken word to other platforms. So those are other mm. other um, new things. So Instagram Reels, very new. TikTok, very new. Um, the latest one is going to be IGTV. And then see if I can push a lot more audio. Um, I want to, you know, push that audio thing where people can go and listen to it. Though I, I kind of think I've spoiled my audience now because they seem to like to want to see a performance for each spoken word piece. Ah. Uh. Um. Okay. Okay. I'll I'll come back to this uh, album album thing because I, I think I loved one fifty one personally. I loved it, and I don't see anything wrong like with you doing a set of say, you know, like every year or every couple of months you do an EP and you just throw it on Spotify and Apple. You know, that's something I I I I think you should consider because. Uh, uh, and then maybe you make a video out of one or out of all if you have time, but just put it out there because, like, you know, just the cadence of your voice when you are performing gets the point across. And, and like, when you're listening to or at least when I was listening to it, I could kind of see the performance. So if you added it, that's an extra layer, but just the audio on its own is doing its thing. Anyway, that's just me. I want to talk about like a Sarah. How did that happen? Oh, okay, so like I said, it was the first brand that worked with me specifically for spoken word. Um, and I was working at the digital agency at that time. Um, but I was working as uh, an account manager, as a content editor um, with, with, with the agency. And so they, they had this emotional campaign that they were running. They already knew what they wanted to say. Um, the problem was how to say it, right? That, that was the problem. They knew what they wanted to say. The problem was how to say it. So the guys in my agency came up with, oh, um, this is an emotive campaign and they're looking for a way to inspire people. Spoken word is a growing community in Nigeria. And that form or, or that, that craft is usually, um, you know, it's, it's, it's sufficient or it's built to tug at people's emotions. So let's do that. And at that time, I think I was the only spoken word poet on the team. Um, so 
based off of the work that they had already done, you know, because they'd come up with, um, they'd already fleshed out what the campaign was meant to look like. I came up with mm. a, a, a spoken word piece that I thought was going to be 60 seconds long. Um, I just recorded like a WhatsApp voice note. I was like, okay, um, this is what I think it sound like or something like that. And then I sent mm. it over. And they loved it. I was actually quite surprised when they said, oh, they really, really liked it. In fact, we want you to, to, to be the talent. We want you to be the talent. We want you to shoot it. We like your cadence and stuff. So I was like, oh, my God, so exciting. But then I was like, but I don't, my face is not, you know, I, 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 at that point, I was still really insecure about putting my face out there. And I was like, I don't really think maybe someone else should. But they were like, no, 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 just do that. We'll find a way. Anyway, so I go there. And I'm super nervous. Um, but everyone was talking about me. Oh, the talent piano. <laughs> I'm the talent. <laughs> and then um, after we show it, it was actually really great. Um, I'm really happy that I got to work on that project with them, with La Casera. But I think that sort of sparked something inside me because the moment it, it, it went out and people saw it, they were like, who is this person, right? Um, and people you know, came over to my page and I was like, oh, well, it looks good. And I feel like if people see this La Casera video on their page and they're looking for me, by the time they come to my page, they would want to see something, right? That was what sort of like started the let me start creating videos to put up on my Instagram. Mm, mm. Okay. Thank you, La Casera, because, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I think it would be a crime to, to humanity um, denying them your videos because especially the last one with the Den, Dengo Talk. Oh, Dengo Still Talk. Yeah, that one was crazy. Okay, so let's now talk about your process, right? Um, you say like, for instance, Dengo Still Talk took two weeks. What would you do in that time from starting to now pressing the stop button on your camera when you record? Okay, so it's, I don't really think it's set in stone, but most of the time I already know the story I want to tell. I knew like for them go still talk, I wanted to create a sort of, I didn't tell people like it, it, it never ended in, did she terminate the pregnancy or did she go ahead with it. It didn't end in that. It ended with a, whatever I decide to choose, people would still have something to say. So I'm going to do what's best for me. Mm. So that for the people who decided to go ahead with the pregnancy or for the people who decided they had to terminate it, both of them could, re could relate to the story, right? So I already know, some, most of the time, I already know what the story is about. I already know how it's going to end. It's not putting it in words. From the first time I started writing, practicing my writing, from the first time I saw that guy go on stage to perform Abiquet, I've always written in rhyme. I've always started, whenever I write a poem, it just rhymes. I've always had that sort of, I don't know, gift, talent. So I know I never really have to write a poem and then go back and try to force rhymes into it. It just always rhymes as I, as I write. Um, so after I've gotten the story, I have it in my head. I know I was going to start. Sometimes I come up with lines in between, like um, I'm trying to remember what. Aha! Nobody could tell you say um, when the sun they shine. Nobody, everybody there outside. Something like that. That was one line that I just come like come up with like out of the blue. So I go back and I write it down. It's going to be somewhere I just don't know where. And sometimes I announce, announce it down. Usually the hardest is the starting. 
the start is, is usually the hardest part. The middle, I can sort of like come up with what I want to be said in the middle. But how do I want to get people's attention? How do I start, you know, with the first line? And then how do I end? For longer mm. poems that are usually three minutes to six minutes, I don't know if you noticed it when you were listening to um, So Mama Says It's Christmas or uh, My Mama's Kitchen or Please Stay. They have a lot of repetition. I like to do that full circle thing where the start equals to the end. But when it's just 30 seconds, I don't have enough time to sort of build that story where, you know, it has that full circle um, effect. So I have mm. to come up with the start and come up with the finish. So that's usually how mm. it is. When I'm remixing, which is something that I just started, maybe I listen to someone's song and I want to remix it. It's usually as I'm writing, the flow comes from it. I don't know what's going to happen. But as I'm writing, like something just comes out of that. The one I did, which was mm. Wrecking Ball, the one I, I remixed, uh, Miley Cyrus's Wrecking Ball, I started and then I was like, wait, how would you be like if she was insane? So I, like, it just like happens as I'm writing it down. That's how the process is. For writing, for recording, it, it's actually kind of funny how I landed this way. Like, and you, you would see it from the different events. When I first started recording, I would get my phone up and I would have like a, a, a speaker like this, a, a Bluetooth speaker. And I would recite it, and then I would just like slap on like background music. But then I'm I'm an audiophile, you probably are, and I I don't like the fact that I cannot tweak the noise in the background. I can't make it sound more crisp, you know. So I think one time it was just like a funny thing. I was recording for something else, and then I had this other sixty-second poem, I think. And how would it be like if I recorded it, you know, right here and then edited it and just try and lip sync? And that was what I did. Mm. So I recorded it. I used my, my, my studio condenser mic. I go back. I edit it. I mix it a bit. Then I transfer it to my phone. I record and then I lip sync, right? It's still me. I'm, I'm using all of those expressions, but I'm lip, lip syncing. After I did the mm. first one, people really liked it. And I said, I think this should be the way I should go from now on. And then sometimes, because, um, because of where I sit and how the sun faces me, the background's usually darker mm. for some weird reason. So one time I was editing one of my videos, I decided to just make the whole background dark and just make my face like be the, you know, so that I think it was so that the, the because I use a lot of closed captions, so that those could show better. That was the reason why I decided mm. to do that, so that the subtitles could show better. And people were like, how did you do that? How do you get the, you know, the background thing? And I was like, oh, okay, okay. And that's how, <laughs> that's how the video became the way the video is. Like, it was right. just, you know, circumstances, something led to this, led to that, and it just ended the way it did. Right, right, right. The, the on your you mentioned TikTok. One of the things I saw on TikTok was like the way you did with this guy. He's singing, and then you're doing this like performance side by side. How did you come up with that one? Okay, so <laughs> the first one was when Vote Boy Music said duet this song, and then it, it it had this really cute um tone. And I don't rap usually. Uh, um, I don't. I still don't believe that what I'm doing is rap at all. So I decided to do that duet thing with him. And then I, I created this little like verse right next to it. And um, I mixed a little bit of pigeon in it. That was like the first one. So I dressed up, I put my camera on, I recorded it. And that time, that was the first duet that I made. That was my most viewed 
video at that time. It had about 20, 30,000 views at that time. So I was like, oh, let me try doing it with other, let me try remixing it with other people's videos. And then I started doing more and more and more of that, more duets and all of that. And that's how I just sort of like learned how to do it with other people and do a little bit of remix using spoken word um, as an overlay on their music. Yeah, yeah. TikTok is a little bit, I don't know, I try to understand it, but I'm still learning. It's it's just uh, so, some some are really cool and some I'm like, what is going on? And I, and I think I, I like, you know, where, but the whole thing is when you get in there, just start showing you stuff. Like, how does even know what I want to see? I don't, I don't <laughs> like that. I think I prefer oh, selecting what I want to see, but anyway, um, I like that. So now you're doing all these things. You're making all these plans. How do you make time for yourself? Like what things do you do to take care of yourself? Well, yeah. So when you say what things do I do to take care of myself, are you talking about like family time? My family is always with me. Like they live around me. They're always there. Even though I don't want them to be. They're right there. (laughs) I mean, I live with them. They're just like outside the door. They're always there. My mom used to do this too much. She'd just come and peep in and be like, hey, what's up? And so there's like family time, whether I, whether I, I want to or not. I think the only issue is that I rarely ever leave my house. I don't have any cute guy episodes I want to make up in my head. And I don't have friends to come carry me out. So I, I almost never do, except when it, it, I, I need to work somewhere. And someone goes, oh, let's go work. And then I, I, I could come up with a scenario in my head, but it's mostly the, the job is usually what, you know, excites me to go to go out of of, of my house uh right. i sleep a lot i eat a lot um i'm always you know the funny thing is i realized so someone was um, commented on one of my videos one time and he said he was so upset like he was angry and he was like why are you always writing about sad stuff why are you always writing every time it's always some sad negative he said the, the word he used was dark it's always dark i'm going to unfollow and i was like Okay. But then I paid attention to what he said. And then I went back to look at the videos. And I realized this is actually true. A lot, a lot of my poems here are dark. And I feel like it's because they're a lot easier to write on that 30, 60 seconds. I don't know. Um, but funny thing is I don't watch a lot of dark stuff. I love to watch. I don't even, I don't even like reading books or watching movies that are about real life. I feel like life is already sad enough. I don't need to watch someone else's sad life. So I don't like to read or watch nonfiction or memoirs at all. So I'm sci-fi, fantasy, comedy, um, sometimes a little bit of mystery, but I'm always watching and reading stuff that are out of this world that will never happen, things that don't exist. But when I write, I write things that are very, very realistic, things that are dark, things that will make you cry. Literally, they would actually make people cry. So that was when I was like, I need to try to do something a bit more happy. And that's where the concept of Kansu came from. Um, because, you know, if I wanted to even engage with brands, they wouldn't want, I don't think they would want a content creator that would make people cry when they think about their product. So, yeah, that was, I was like, let me, let me try to be a little bit more happy and do something on cancel or do something that's fun. Um, yeah. 
I play mm. video games. Mm. I watch a lot of anime. I think you probably already know that. It's the lonely people that watch a lot of anime people say, I don't know, just haters. That's um, not true. That's not true. I, I, that's I, not I, true. I don't know. Anyway, so <laughs> that, that's, that's why I need to take care of myself. Skincare, hair care, when I feel like it. Um, yeah. I guess that's it. Okay. I go out once okay. in a while if I feel like <laughs> when someone drags Yo. me out, though. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's always good to have friends that take you out of the house from time to time. Uh, I can relate because me, I don't even like going out much. Um, I've, I've taken so much of your time, but I, I don't want to let you go until I ask this question, though. Um, have you written something and, like, you know, it's ready to go? And then you're like, okay, this one is just for me. I'm not going to put it out there. I'm not going to make any video for it. I'm just going to keep it for myself. I've read several. And the reason why I decided it's not going to go out is usually because I don't want... It's usually when it's so true that the person who inspired it would... I feel like it's very obvious they would be able to pick up on the fact that it was about them. Right? I don't want people to feel like they are that special in my life that I'll write about them. Except if I'm writing about, you know, I said I, I'm writing a piece for my brother or for my mother. Or, you know, if God so have has it, if he finally decides to give me a boyfriend about my boyfriend. But usually whenever it's about, you know, the unfortunate souls or the people who have made me an unfortunate soul to meet them in the first place. And I'm writing about them, and they'll be like, oh, so you're still thinking about me. No, jackass, that's not going to happen. So that's usually the reason why. So I, I look at it, and I'm like, nah, he's down now. He's, he's going to now. And I just deleted his number. I don't want him hitting me up on Instagram and being like, babe, this is our story. Like, no. So no, I'm like, it's not going out. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, so do you find it, like, do you... You're on Instagram, you have tons and tons of followers. Like, um, do you think you know people will find it uh shocking that you're single? Um, so I don't have tons and tons of followers, I have <laughs> I just hit the K mark, you know, where we say, Oh, we are the K's now, we can add links in our stories. Yay! Um, <laughs> so uh, that's who I am, people. People still ask me things like, are you married? I don't know if you were, if you had seen like just recently, I did this whole ask me anything for asking, oh, are you single? Are you married? People act shocked about it. I don't know why they act shocked because when you go on my page, it's a lot of heartbreak. So you know that this girl is single as they come. Like you, you, you can just deduce that. Yeah, this girl's single. But um, people still want to act shocked and be like, oh, Come cry on my shoulder or something. I, I thought, I thought, <laughs> girl, like you, like what? I don't like. Okay, okay. So they like to act shocked about it, but you know that's them, and that sounds like it, like it's their problem. Um, at this mm. point, um, mm. so yeah, recently I've actually just been trying to know how to handle my DMs better. Because, like I said, two months ago, I only had, like, 3,000 followers. And right now, I have, like, you know, 10,000 new followers on top of that. And because of that, I, it, it makes me want to reply to as many people as possible. But recently, you get a lot of creeps. 
you get a lot of weird messages and I don't know, I have this slight tick. I hate seeing unread messages anywhere. I hate seeing emails that like to, to, to think that I have emails that I haven't read. So that's still a bit of a problem for me, trying to mm. not read the really disturbing ones at the same time needing to clear my inbox. So, mm. yeah, I'm hoping that, you know, because I create the story in my mind that there's this guy that wants to send me a DM, but then something's just blocking it. And then finally we meet <laughs> over the internet. And I have a lot of those stories in my head. So I, I still have hope. I still have hope. <laughs> oh my god, you're so funny. You know, that's the thing I think people don't know about you. I, I think they don't know you're funny because of how sad the things you write are. I, I think I think people will be surprised to find out how funny you are because like you're so funny. And the thing is, you're not even trying to be funny. You're just having a conversation. So that makes it even more funny to me. Um, let's talk about your Instagram lives, right? Uh, you do that like weekly or so. Why did you decide to do that? <clears throat> okay, so I decided to do Instagram lives at first because um, way back then, when I, when I was just doing Instagram lives, I used to have like five, seven, ten people. And it was always weird to me like, I open my Instagram and there's like one person I'm saying hi guys, but who am I saying hi guys to? Um, so I, I used to have all these like open mics and stuff. So by the time more and more people started hitting me up on, on, on Instagram and I started getting more and more followers, people were asking me these questions and it was the same kind of question. What inspires you? How did you start? How long have you been writing? And I said, let me just make a live and just sort of like answer all these questions at once. And, you know, I, I saw it live one time and I saw like 50 people and I was like, oh my gosh, mama, we did it. And, you know, it, it made me like super excited. And every week I got new people that came on. Mm. So I just did this thing where I would just open up Instagram just to sort of like have that connection with the people that are following me. Because I, I thought it was quite important to, to let them know that they're actually the reason why I'm here. You know, I'm, I'm trying mm. not to be snobby or all of that. You know, if I have the time, I should be able to just come up and just talk to people and relate to them. And, you know, let them hear how I speak when it's not in rhyme, when I'm not, you know, crying or something. And, and let them know that, you know, it's not like I'm suffering or something or I have that, <laughs> that sort of like lifestyle or just to let people understand who I am so that they can connect with me better and maybe hopefully right. connect with my poems better. Right. Oh, man. Hua, thank you so much for coming to the sanctuary and for making me laugh so much. Um, I can't wait to see. It's true. You know, I'm having a wonderful time. I can't wait to see what you do next, whatever it's going to be. I'm kind of sad you're not going to do Spoken World again for a while. But, um, I mean, I have a feeling that whatever you replace it with is going to be great, too. And I really, really, really love the format of the new new season. It was like a ton of work. I thought you had a team, so hearing that you did it alone even makes it like a ton more impressive because I'm lazy. Like, I'm so lazy, so I wouldn't even try something like that at all. <laughs> yeah, well, I like pushing myself. I like doing things and surprising people and surprising myself mostly. So I feel like if you're going to put something out there, go all out, right? If you're going mm. to make a video, 
I'm not I'm not a good editor, you know, I don't know so much about light or dark, but I need to make it look like an editor did it. I need to make it look like I have a team working in this super duper studio, you know. I need to make it look like that. Um mm. because I, I just don't feel like there's any there's no excuse for bad quality. That's what I always say. There's no excuse for bad quality, bad quality writing, bad quality video. Like if I release a video and I feel like oh this is, you know, not good quality, like I don't want people to say, oh, it's good for, you know, um, someone who doesn't do video. It's good for someone who edits with their phone. No, it has to be great. It doesn't matter what the circumstance is because already I'm at a disadvantage. I'm a Nigerian woman. I, I'm a creative in Nigeria. Already I'm at a disadvantage. But I'm not going to be a victim, you know. I'm not going to say, oh, mm. I did this even though, no. It has to be, it has to be good, you know. It, 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 it has to impress you. And... It should impress you even more when you find out the resources mm. or how um, uh, con- constrained I am. I don't know if that's, if that's the right way to say it. How um, difficult it was for me to get there and the extra mile that I went. So I want you to imagine how it would be like if I actually was working had... with the team. Yeah, if I had yeah. all those things. Like, just imagine right. how it would be if I was working with the right. team. Right, 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 right. Like, you know, you know, because um, like, uh, like that episode I told I was listening to, it's like, in my mind, in my mind, and I'm, I'm clearly very wrong. It's like, you just walk into the studio, you record, it's gone. Uh, you send it to the people. They just send you copies like, put this here, put that there, put this here, put that there. Uh, you listen to it, but like, oh, no, I didn't like this place. I was shouting too much here, bring it down. And then I was like, okay, it's good, ready, put it out. And then you're like, no, 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 I did it all myself. I'm like, what? What? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't only no, no, edit no. beginning to end. Um, I did have some help with background music and all of that. Um, I think I, I still give credit to, uh, to the people that helped me out. The fact that, you know, I had people who believed in me from the first day, willing enough to be like, okay, I, I, I believe in a, a lot in your work and I'm going to contribute this and that to, to help mm. you push it out there. So I had like a lot of, um, I, I had help in, in that department. Um, but mm. to talk about getting the guests, getting the kind, the kind of guests that I wanted, um, you know, interviewing them, having to deal with the raw audio files, you know, coming up with the script and putting it together, um, you know, leveling the sound and making sure that everything sounded, you know, something that sounded a little bit like it was recorded in a studio. Yeah, I was able to right. sit down and then work on that and then produce it as an audio editor. I feel like that also up, um, would, would put me up my game, I guess, when I'm talking about, you know, being a consultant to someone who wanted to start a podcast, because I know how it starts, how it ends, what to do end to end. I've done everything myself from looking out for high profile guests, to interviewing them, to sending out, you know, I, I, I do send questions before I interview them just to let, just so that they know where it is going and, you know, putting all of that, editing everything. Usually, um, the, the interviews last for about two hours and I have to trim it down mm. to 30 seconds, to 30 minutes, sorry. Trim it down to 30 minutes. Actually, if I have more than one guest, which is why I say that this particular um, um, structure I'm using is a lot more difficult because I had like four guests, mm. one hour, two hours each, trim it down to 30 minutes, put my own thoughts on top and overlay it. <laughs> that is a lot. And I feel like I can create a portfolio of things that I can do but that is where it's going to end for me with, with the spoken word. I feel like I've done all that I can do as the only person that works on it. Mm. 
Man, okay, Hua, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for coming to the sanctuary. And I think we should do this again soon once you put something out again because like i'll have so many questions and and i also think you should consider doing another ep just you know don't think about the video just put it out there put it on spotify because like uh yeah you have this platform i'm saying use it and and like uh the stories you tell and the way you tell it i just want the next 151 i don't know what you call it but yeah you know whatever you call it, it's gonna be good I've just got 152, just to make things easier. Make name, Naming is hard. Oh my God, tell me about it. I yeah. hate naming. And I have a problem where I can't write something until I have the title. Like, I'll have the idea. <laughs> really? Yeah, but if I don't have a title, I can't write. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a problem. What you talk was, the, the title was the last thing I came up with. Right? It was a, that was the last thing you I, I came so up with. You so lucky. Like, I can't do it. I cannot do it. So, I have to have I have to know how it ends. I have to know how it ends. And then I have to know the title before I start writing anything. Um, So that's why I don't write as much as I'd like to. Like I have this book full of ideas. And if I don't have the right title, uh, I can't write it. But, you know, sometimes I'm like, I'll start writing. But then I... I can't, I can't do it. Maybe it's just something I need to work on. Anyway, anyway, I'm thinking out loud. <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you so much for coming to the sanctuary and have an amazing day. And you know what? I'm going to ask you in an email to send me a poem of yours that I can share to, um, to play out this episode because that's what I really would like to do. Okay, sure, right, sure. Cool. Great. All right. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you for having me. This was great. This was fun. <laughs>